Revolution Org, episode 488. Steve Speed, the Rickster, Ricky V Rock. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? So in this one, uh, this is episode 488. This is going to be a fun one. We're actually going to go over a poll that was done. This is a very, this is juicy, juicy information that is out there. And it was a poll done by Wake Forest University indoctrinologists. And, and we all know, guys, we all know that Steve loves polls. Right, Steve? Yeah, stripper polls, absolutely. Your, your, your last girlfriend, you found her on the poll. That was, oh, man, you stole my catch line. <laughs> you stole my punt. <laughs> yeah, your last girlfriend, you found the stripper poll. Didn't you? That was it, for sure. <laughs> So this, this is uh, basically, it says August 2019, August 2020, they surveyed over 2,000 men. The average age of the survey rig was 31 years old, and half of them were from the United States. So that kind of gives you a context, a little bit of a, maybe a, the bias so of, of who they interviewed. So let's give a rundown first, Rick, of steroid users, and this is what the poll found, okay, the most common age of steroid use is 22 to 30 demographic. That's almost 50% of people that were surveyed. 31 to 40 age group, it was 25%. That was the next highest. Then you had 14% for the 41 to 50 age group. The 18 to 21 age group, 13%. And then the 51 plus group, only 5.6%. So this was more of, um, you know, that, that kind of goes hand in hand with the average age being 31 years old. So that is the typical steroid user. And this, this is who they polled in this poll. So now this is a question for you, Rick. Um, it says here, the most common reason 82% of those surveyed say they did steroids to boost their appearance. Only 50% said to boost strength. And then self-esteem and body image concerns was at 30%, which is still a pretty strong number. That's almost one in three. Now, here's the interesting thing, Rick, and this is where I'm bringing you in to ask you your thoughts on this. Less than 10% said that they use steroids to increase athletic performance. So that means over 90% did not use steroids for athletic performance. So chime in that. What are your thoughts on that one? Is that a surprise to you? Or do you think that's uh, that's pretty, pretty, um, pretty good that's number? On, that's on the ball. That is on the ball. Uh, definitely uh, the majority of guys that use steroids are not competing in anything. One thing I don't see on the poll is how many men actually use steroids to increase libido believe it or not i think that i think that that libido improvement uh especially the guys in the older age group especially uh those guys in the trt realm uh libido improvement has to be one of the main reasons a lot of guys uh, uh like uh and stay on the sauce maybe a little bit longer than they than they should well and i say libido improvement because um that comes with a lot of other things i mean you're gonna be more up for the game. If even if it's just playing a game of pickup basketball with your friends, you're just going to be more up for the game. Higher levels of testosterone make strenuous exercise feel good. 
it feels good to you <clears throat> to exercise when you're <clears throat> so sorry guys i promise no covid when you're uh, when your um levels get get up there it's when you feel uh you feel a uh, um, pleasure from exercise so uh also uh by looking at this uh this whole percentage line number it's 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 real interesting because um I think today in, in, in the U.S., I'd say half of the men today in the U.S. using steroids are probably going through TRT clinics. That's my opinion. I, I think there, there are many, many men that never make it to this podcast, never make it to the forums. They never cross the line into self-medication the way many of us have. Many of us into really, really our younger years, we started self-medicating. I think the majority of the population you're going to find are going to go to a doctor and, and maybe if they know they need some testosterone, most likely they're not, they're going to go to the doctor. I, I, that's my guess. That's my best educated guess. What I base it on, just what I think myself, I think in the U.S. today, half of the guys taking steroids are on TRT prescriptions. And the ones, and I'm sure there are, there's some that have TRT prescriptions are taking the TRT to steroids and adding and adding more uh, exogenous hormones that are not in their prescription, in my opinion. That's a, that's a real interesting um, find, though. 42% H22 to 30, um, 24% H31 to 40. <clears throat> you know, Steve? Yeah. You know what I'm thinking about right now? I'm thinking that that's real interesting. Okay, so he, here's... That's real interesting because I'm thinking of another factor, right? Out of out of the men that are 31 through 40 that actually lift, I'm talking about in the in the world, in, in the US, right? Let's say, how many of them would be on steroids? So you see, so check this out. So the profile here, what we're looking at here, overall steroid use. If you broke down the guys that are using steroids, age 22 to 30, 42 of the 42 percent of those guys would be using steroids. Uh, ages 31 through 40, 24% of those guys would be would be the steroid users. That's how they break down. But here's a real good question I wish we had some data for. Out of people in the gym, actual people in the gym, those age groups, how many of those guys are using steroids? Because I, I promise you, I think that there are way more guys in the gym right now, 22 to 30, that are not using because there's just so many more 22 to 30-year-olds in the gyms then there are 31 to 40 years. Let's just be realistic. Some of those guys are still playing sports competitively. I think out of the guys playing competitively or guys in the gym training, you're probably going to find that the majority of them are between 20. If we use those age groups in the study, we, we, we use them for this other idea I have. I think the majority of them are going to be 22 to 30 years old. And I think um, you're going to find that the majority of guys between 30, 22 to 30 that train are probably not on steroids, while the majority of guys 31 to 40 that train, it'd be a higher percentage of guys that train that are actually taking the sauce in that age group. That's just my opinion for what I've seen, Steve. That's from, you know, I do customer support for need to build muscle for you guys, right? A lot of you guys come to me for all of your uh, needs. You guys need the liver support, cycle support, all that good stuff, grow your nuts back. And the majority of the guys that I speak to on the phone, their profile, mid-30s. Mid-30s, 
that had some former greatness in their 20s, maybe didn't even use in their 20s. But now in 30s, they, they want the extra help. They want that extra umph. And uh, that's just an opinion on what I see on their numbers. Well, what do you think, Steve? Because this is this is only breaking down the guys that are actually injecting steroids or, or using steroids. It's not taking into account all gym goers. I'm proposing that when it comes to all gym goers, uh, your, your typical 31 to 40-year-old gym goer, 31 to 50-year-old gym goer, out of the typical one, you're going to have more of those guys in that age group on steroids or TRT or something than you will have the, the guys under 30. What do you think? Well, I mean, buddy, um, I, I'll tell you what, um, you know, it just shows you that I'm actually, you know, it's interesting because steroids really do a good job of strength. Like even people who just take steroids, they don't, really know how to train right. They don't know how to eat right. You could still get stronger on steroids, like no matter what you do. So I think it's interesting that 50% use them for that purpose. That's what I found from it. And I thought it was interesting that such a high percentage just use them for appearance. And that just shows you that sh that's kind of the motivation to, to be able to go to the gym for a lot of people is I got to do this because I got to look good. Why do people go to work every day? They do jobs that they hate because what is, a, what is the number one reason? Oh, the benefits. I don't want to quit my job. I don't want to be self-employed because I don't, I don't want those benefits. I want the health insurance. I want the pension. I want the retirement. You know, And that's, that's one of the things that motivates people to use steroids is I'm, I know I need to use them if I want to look the way I want to look. I don't want to look like an average dude. I want to be able to go on dates and look better than the people that that person I'm going out on the date with is also dating. The other people they're dating, I want to look better than them. I want to give myself an edge. I want to go to the gym and look in the mirror and like what I see. I want to look in the mirror every morning and like what I see. So that gives you an idea of the motivation of using steroids. And since Half of the people in the steroid were in the United States where steroid use is not legal without a prescription. It's not like other countries where, you know, it's a lot loose law, looser law. So that shows you that people are willing to bend and break the law to look a certain way. So that's, that's kind of what I got from it. So. Um, and I think it's a, I think there, I think the self-esteem and body image concern being 30%, I think that number, you know, that just shows you that I think that number is probably twice that. I think people are just, are too ashamed to admit that because a lot of people you who use anabolic steroids do have self-esteem issues. And you wouldn't think that if you go on uh, social media and all that stuff, you think all oh, these people are cocky. They're so full of themselves. They're so... They must be so confident. Well, they're not. It's the opposite. If you, if you feel the need to post pictures of yourself on social media and show off your body, that doesn't mean that you're, so, that you're a secure person. That shows you're an insecure person. So that kind of, I think that. And, 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 wait, and, wait, and, wait, and wait, now some people make money um, posting pictures of themselves on social. They get benefits from it. That, that's, that's also interesting, right? They're going to post the pictures, though, of themselves looking their best. They're not going to post pictures of them on a, on a bad day. You see? So this be true. And a lot of filters. This yes. be true. And Photoshop 
and professional photographers who know how to take these pictures. So that's, yeah, that's how it goes in the industry. So, so let's move on to the next thing, buddy. Um, the next thing is most common steroids. So this is, this is one that was interesting because it lists the top 10 most popular steroids that people are using. And number one and number two are long ester testosterones, the testosterone enanthate and testosterone sipinate. That's not a surprise. Number three was a little bit of a surprise to me. And Rick, chime in any, any time in this if you were surprised or you want to comment on this. But it was Dianabol, which is listed as methandrostinolone. It's a, it's a long ass word with a lot of syllables, but Dianabol for short. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised Ebol is uh, one of the entry steroids. So. My opinion on that is the cost. That's why it's number three is the cost. And it's a pretty much a dummy proof steroid. Like anybody can take Debol for four weeks and get stronger and change their physique in a very quick amount of time. It doesn't take a genius to use it. And it's very, very cheap. That's my, I think, I think theory. the fact that, I think the fact that the top two steroids are testosterone and ethate and testosterone sepionate, uh, a lot of that has to do with TRT clinics. I'm sure a lot of guys take those from TRT or if they, ever had TRT and they come off and start self-medicating, they will go back to those two because one of those two, because that's what their doctor put them on. That's what they know. And, and they know they respond well to. And uh, a lot of guys that see their friends having good changes on TRT and maybe can't afford it or want to try the same dose, the same thing and self-medicate, they'll go to one of these two. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not um, surprising to me that the first two are the ones that are most widely prescribed by, by doctors out there. That's interesting. Number four is Trembolone. Now, Trembolone is one of the most strongest steroids out there. So for it to be number four is very, very interesting to me. I think that that just shows you that people aren't scared to be aggressive and run something like Trembolone. You, you want me to tell you why I think Trembolone is? Yeah, is tell me. Um, as we've established on this podcast and, and – uh, there isn't much debate about this out there. Trembolone can be utilized both whether you're bulking and cutting. Whether you're bulking or you're cutting, you can use trend. You could drop it in there and it will most it will make you feel like everything else is working better. The same cycle. If you just swap out 100, 200, 300 milligrams of this for Trembolone now instead, you just feel like the whole cycle works better. And if you add it in, it's even better. So yeah, no surprise. Number one, number two, the two testosterones most widely prescribed by doctors. Number three, Dianabol, which is uh, the first real kind of synthetic steroid made for humans put out there. <clears throat> Trembolone, which makes everything else works better. And then going to number five, which is Oxandrolone, Anavar. I think Trembolone is in, even though Trembolone is so harsh, even though Trembolone is, you know, a lot of people hate Tran and we, a lot of people recommend new people, newbies. A lot of gurus out there recommend newbies don't take trend. Still number four because it's both a bulker and a cutter, and it's going to it's going to work work great. So uh, yeah, and then number five is Anavar, correct? So Anavar being number five was a surprise to me because it's really expensive, but that also shows you how much respect guys for have for Anavar. You don't see Toronto Ball up there. You don't see Winstrol. In the top five, we're going to get to Winstrol. That's that's later. 
But when, but it's interesting that Anavar is number five. It just shows you how effective of a steroid Anavar is and how much it is loved out there. Number six is Nandrolone Decanate, Decadurabolin. And that's interesting because if you read on forums, everybody is scared to use Deca. They're like, oh my God, I'm going to get Deca dig. Deca will bloat you. Deca will do this. Deca will do that. Deca has side effects and all this stuff. So I think this is interesting that DECA is number six ahead of steroids like Masteron, for example, and Equipoise, which is number seven. Equipoise comes in at number seven. I think Equipoise isn't, if more people tried Equipoise, I think Equipoise would be in the top five. And then number eight is testosterone propanate, which is a short ester of testosterone. So People will, will use the propanate version because they want to be flexible, you know, and there's also some people who think that if I use the propanate, I'll get less bloat, all kinds of theories behind it. But that's interesting that people would rather inject every other day or every day than use the E or SIP version. Number nine, as I said, Winstrol comes in, Stenozole. Um, I think it's interesting that, that Winnie came in at number nine. I would have expected it to be higher because it is an oral. So that just shows you that people don't mind injecting because you've got Debo at three, Anavar at five, and then the next oral is Winstrel Oi at nine. So only three out of the top 10 here are orals. I thought that was kind of a surprise. It just shows you that steroid users don't mind injecting. And the, the thing about it is uh, needles and, and syringes are very easy to get a hold of in the United States. You just go online and order them and you'll get, you'll get them right in the mail. And it's not illegal to buy needles and syringes. So I think if needles and syringes were, uh, whatever the word is, like, you know, you, you had to actually go to a pharmacy and ask for them and have a pharmacist approve it or something like that, then I would think that these injectable steroids wouldn't be as popular over orals, but it does show you that people don't mind injecting. And then number 10 is Sustanon 250, which is a blend of four different testosterone esters. So you got four testosterones in the top 10, you got three orals in the top 10, and then you got Trend, Deca, Equipoise as the other three most popular injectables. So I thought that was interesting to see the top 10. Where's Primo Bolin, Rick? You know, what's interesting is that, um, there are only two in there. There are only two in there that are not um, that are not available for prescription for human use that we can that I can tell of right now, which is Trembo and Equipoise. As far as I know, right now you just can't find Tren or EQ uh, made for human use anywhere. Really, uh, everything else on there uh, it's really um, it's either very popular in the U.S. or other countries, or. Uh, you know, it's being made right now, but yeah, the very, very interesting, uh, a list of steroids. I, I am, I am surprised. Like you, like you mentioned, I am surprised the uh, Primo Bolin is not, is not in this one. Other, either Proviron, Proviron is being prescribed all over the place for just regular health benefits, you know, for just some hormone stabilization issues. Uh, so yeah, really interesting to, to just to know that those two are, are just not, not even in there when I, I always thought those were some of the more popular ones, but yeah, man, look, they can't, can't argue with a, a good survey. This is what they found. This is what they found, right? 
Yeah, yeah, and I think the survey is accurate. Uh, th- some of the stuff is surprising, but like I'm not surprised that people would answer it like this. So um, notice that you know some of the the compounds. Obviously, like you said, Rick, the first two testosterone antase, testosterone seventy, very easy to get, get a script for. Um, you go to any anti aging clinic, pay the money. And they'll hook you up with a script for those, which goes on to the next one. What are the weekly doses that people are using? And like you said, Rick, TRT, very, very common nowadays. Everyone's going on TRT. So less than 500 milligrams is 46%, almost half. So it's not, uh, you know, less than 500 milligrams is not much. You run a cycle. We always, you know, the most cookie cutter first cycle for everybody is 500 milligrams of testosterone, maybe throw in an oral. And we're talking less than that, 46%. So that tells me, guys, a lot of these guys surveyed are doing TRT or they're cruising or something like that. And then 47.5% are 501 to 1,000 milligrams. So pretty much half are under 500. The other half are 500 to 1,000. Very small amount, 5.5% are 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams. That's a very tiny amount, 5.5%. And a fractional amount, 0.75% are 2,000 to 3,000. And then over 3,000 collectively comes out to 0.25%. So very, very small amount of people. So if you're serving 100 people, you know, 0.25% of those wouldn't even be one person. So 1,000 people would be one person just off the top of my head, the math. So that's not that many people. So I think they survey what, 3,000 people in this? So oh, uh, 2,300 people they surveyed in this. So we're talking two to three people that were surveyed actually ran over 3,000 milligrams a week. So that's not very much. And a handful of people ran between 2,000 and 3,000. Everyone else pretty much was under a thousand with 5.5%, 1,000 to 2,000. So this was pretty interesting. Happy, yeah. I'm pretty happy to see that actually, believe it or not. Pretty, pretty glad to see those results. You guys have heard me say it on the podcast a million times. Really, you should, 1,000 milligrams, one gram a week is about where you need to be at. If you need way more than that, if you need more than that to uh, to, to make progress, then either you're already just a beast you're just a beast and you know you need you need that much in your system just to maintain the slabs of muscle you have and and more on top to make progress maybe okay i could sort of see that or maybe you're just 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 genetic anomaly that you need that much because i've heard guys say that people that i think are smart and know their shit they'll say they need over 700 800 that's when their cycle starts but I think the majority of us are going to find life-changing results, incredible, just night and day, life-changing results of physique, attitude, performance, you know, performance in bed, performance, just a pickup game of basketball, performance, just emptying out the storage unit, you know, spring cleaning, whatever it is, find better performance under 500 mix. If you really want to put on crazy mass, more mass than what you make, Go over to the 500. But I think under 500 makes a good performance if you get a nice little mix of different steroids together, some muscle growth, performance, uh, um, feeling great, feeling young again, 
making good progress in the gym, even if you're in your 40s. 500 to 1,000 is really more, in my opinion, 500 to 1,000 is, 500 to 1,000 is not a performance. I mean, unless you're just weightlifting, it's not a performance kind of doses. At that point, you're going more for an aesthetic look. You're trying to put on mass. You're trying to really raise levels to cut down body fat and not, not lose that muscle mass or even build a little bit of muscle mass as you're cutting down the fat. But that's 500 to 1,000. But I think under 500, get some muscle growth, not as expedited, depending on age, but really the performance difference, man. Your dick could be up in the morning, won't get as tired, feel a lot stronger. Lifts are going to be up. I mean, it's just reju rejuvenation between, you know, under 500 makes. That, that's just my opinion on the, on those uh, that protocol. And I'm glad. I'm glad less than 10% of the guys out there, according to the survey, are doing over a gram because this is just my opinion. It's just maybe sort of kind of no need to do all of that. Yeah, like 6% are, uh, are in that, less than 6%. All right, so an ancillaries, this is interesting. Anastrozole, which is Arimidex, 47.6%. Tamoxifen, Novodex, 31%. Examistane, which is Aromacin, 30%, which is really low considering it's the best AI out there. And then HCG is 28%. So those are what guys are using on their cycles. Um, and then off cycle, so during PCT, 40% are doing the Nova, 31% are doing the Clomid. HCG is at 26%. And we'll, I'll kind of get into that why HCG is so damn high in, in, in uh, PCT. Because you're not supposed to use uh, HCG in PCT, guys. Uh, it's a hormone. It's going to delay your recovery. So HCG is not to be used during PCT. But we're going to get into why that number is, uh, is at 26% in, in a second. And then uh, this is one you're not going to like, Rick, if you if you like what you heard before. And this shows more of my theory that people are cruising, doing a lot of cruising on steroids. They're not coming off. They're just cruising year round at under 500 milligrams. Only 46% cycle. 47% said they use on a regular basis. So that's really scary that half the guys are just staying on and just could be TRT. Do we know from the study if they also included TRT patients or were they, those guys excluded? This is all self-medication or was that not specified? No. So um, that's, that's really a good point. It'd be nice if they separated it, but no. So based on that, 47% are either on TRT or they blast and cruise you around and then 46% actually cycle on and off. Well, see, but, yeah. that's consistent because check yeah. this out. It says but if the average group is 31 years old, buddy, that's that tells me they're blasting and cruising. Um, because you don't see 20-year-olds going on, on tier D. It's 25-year-olds, you know, that's well, pretty, there's two, that's there, pretty there, there, there are two numbers that are consistent, that among the people polled, 46% of them were doing under 500 milligrams and uh, and 47% which is right, right, we're close, are using it year-round, basically, on a regular basis. So it's funny that that, that is what I think is, I think those two numbers, uh, the majority of overlapping uh, people uh, features are those two numbers. I think a lot of guys are using under 500 MIGs year-round. I think that's, that's we're gonna, I think that that is going to be half of your steroid users are under 500 MIGs year-round. What do you think? Yeah, it's a good point. 
That's a good point. And we're going to get into side effects. This is a really interesting stuff here with side effects, right? You're going to love these. So over 94% reported side effects, 94% reported side effects. So steroids do cause side effects. 94% is pretty hard to find. Uh, someone agree on 94% of things. Surprise, surprise. The number we, one. We've been tell- Listen, we've been telling you guys here on this podcast for ages. And, it, and it's funny because we do a podcast about steroids. But we say it almost every show. You fuck with your endocrine system. You mess with your endocrine system. You start putting drugs in, taking drugs out, doing all of that. You're going to experience some side effects. Some of them might be long lasting. Some of them might show up years later. I mean, that's the risk we all take. I took that risk. Steve took that risk. We've paid the price for it. We have, we're now uh, researching the fuck out of, out of all, <clears throat> we're researching the hell out of this whole realm now to keep ourselves healthy as well as share some of our knowledge with you guys out there. But yeah, you mess with your endocrine system. Absolutely. 94% of you guys out there are going to find some fucked up side effects that you're not going to be happy with, uh, but you'll either deal with them and keep trucking or you'll just leave this whole lifestyle and be done. But that it is how it is. So let's go over them, Ray. Jump in with your thoughts. If you have any thoughts on this, uh, the number one reported side effects, 63% of people. So that's almost two thirds say testicular atrophy. That's just shrinking nuts. Over 50%, slightly over 50% is hypersexuality. That's one of the things that we've talked about a lot, especially with trend. Trend will make you, if you're in a relationship, trend will make you want to get out of a relationship because it's going to make you hypersexual. 43% hypertension. That's a huge problem that we have in the Western world as it is. Everyone has heart problems. So steroids, 43% report hypertension. Go get your blood work done. Go get your blood pressure checked often. Close to that, 43% mood changes. Erectile dysfunction, 33%. That's one third. I think that number is higher. I just think people don't want to mention that. That's like a, no one wants to talk about erectile dysfunction. I mean, it, it I, I, you know, you know what I, you know what I think? I think that the younger that's... people probably too, they don't have it yet. Once you okay. get older, you know, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So let's be realistic on cycle. On cycle, uh, problems with erections are very rare. Unless you're using something like Nandrolone without uh, any precautions, the chances are most of us, uh, the majority of us, ninety, uh, to throw my own uh, figure out of my ass there, 99% of us are going to have increased sexual appetite. There is lowered sexual appetite, uh, lowered, unable to get a stiffy, once you, you know, you delve into some of the 19 nor uh, stuff like DECA, specifically DECA I'm talking about. But I think where the side effect the guys are reporting from not being able to get their wee-wee up, I think where that comes from is, I think that mostly comes from post-cycle therapy or after post-cycle or during the time they're off. They don't come off the steroids properly. They don't post-cycle properly. They begin to have uh, problems with erections. Um and then they begin to have some psychological performance anxiety, which makes worse the problem you, you were having. As a matter of fact, you can, over the weeks and maybe a couple of months, recover from the hormonal issue and maybe be able to have a pro- normal er- erection function. But by then, you might have been embarrassed in front of a girl or two. You might be thinking about it. And then it becomes a fucking problem. I mean, look, what's in your head can affect 
your erections quite a bit. It, it does. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's undeniable. So you begin with a little bit of ED, erectile dysfunction, which then moves into performance anxiety psychologically. And then even if your body could physically perform, your head might be, might be all weird, might be not in the game. So that's definitely an issue. But I think, Steve, a lot of guys are coming off. They're not using my N2 generators. They're coming off. And I talked to you, some of you guys out there, you'll buy N2 guard for the liver support. You'll buy that, no problem, because you want your blood work to look good. But when, they, when it comes to PCT, and you know you should pick up the N2 generate because it has all the natural ingredients you need to go along with your Clomid, Novadex, all that stuff. It, it's got it so that you don't have the issues with your dick not working. You don't have, you know, when you take some of these post-psychotherapy products, you could be watching your nuts grow, but your dick won't, won't, won't get hard. You know, so HC generate, N2 generate, which is what we call it now, ensures you get that dick get, gets hard. You know, you're you're up for the game whenever you need it, even while you're going through PCT and, and you're off the steroids and the high levels of androgens are no longer in your body. You're still rocking. If you're in between cycles, taking a break like we all should take some H2 generate every single day, uh, you're going to feel really, really you're going to. You're gonna have that libido, like if you were on cycle, but you're not, you're not uh, uh, suppressing your natural production. If anything, you're stimulating your natural production of testosterone with the product. So, yeah, I think I think, um, and I'm gonna look into the the research here as you and I are, are are speaking about it. But I think a lot of those guys reported those steroid side effects. Maybe not while they were taking it. Maybe they're taking into account a uh, uh, time in between cycles where your dick just doesn't want to go anywhere. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think you're definitely right on that, buddy. And then this, you know, there's a, a couple other, you know, the, the, the these common reported side effects, a lot of them get underreported and some of them get accurately reported. And I'll give you an example because the next one, 28% abnormal blood fats. I don't believe that number is that low because when you use anabolic steroids, your number gets thrown off a lot. It's, it's well over 50%, but because people don't get blood work done, they don't see it. Gynecomastia is the opposite. Gynecomastia, unless you really don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. I'm growing man boobs, 26%. That number is kind of scary. That 26% of people, more than one in four will, will experience gynecomastia. That's not a good thing. Now, over 35 is interesting, Rick. Lipid imbalance, it was 33% versus 26%. Hair loss was 27 versus 20. Tendon rupture was 10 versus 7. Left ventric ventricular hypertrophy, 6.6% versus 3%. Infertility, 10% versus 7%. Injection site abscesses, 12.5 versus 8 which is just due to being older and doing more injections. And then this is a big one, increase in number of red blood cells, 21% versus 9%. So the older you get, the more pronounced these side effects become. And I thought that was interesting to give you guys who are in your 20s, because a lot of you guys <clears throat> that listen to this podcast, you're in your 20s and we love you guys. You're the, you're the future of the country. You're the future of the world. You're the next generation of steroid users. But a lot of you can be more aggressive with steroid use and not have the, the red blood cell count issue, the cholesterol issues, and some of these other issues, the abscesses and all this stuff, the tendon ruptures. But as you get older, <clears throat> those 
are going to become more likely. So you want to watch out for that because they will definitely increase. Yeah. Um, I've said it on this podcast before, guys, and some of you that called me on the phone to order your supplements from me, um, told you guys too, man, this stuff changes how it works in your body as you get older. The same steroid that just worked for you, worked for you 10 years ago. Now you use it at the same dosage. It might react differently. It might do something different in your body. Uh, definitely something like hair loss, you know, uh, do you have an increased percentage of it uh, just from, just from being older uh, and taking the steroids, you know, so some of these are probably going to be issues that you might have had later down the line anyway, but the steroid use makes them happen way quicker. I think hair loss is hair loss is one of those, uh, in my opinion. All right. So let's finish, finish it off with some other useful tidbits in this one. It said that 46% attempted to stop using steroids, but more than 60% returned to utilize them. Even after a long term, a long time of abstinence, 45% who have abstained for a year and 21% who those who have abstained for three years started using again. The reasons, concerns over lower quality of life, almost 50%, muscle loss or worsen look, 39%, decreased strength athletic performance, 33%, and then medical care, lack of medical care, 14%. Um, 75%, a huge amount, believe they could continue to use steroids without harming their health, but 87% said they would stop if they developed a health concern as a result of using steroids. So that's an interesting thing. Um, here we go, Rick. Who do they seek advice from? So internet steroid gurus were nearly widely regarded as far more trustworthy sources of knowledge than doctors. And it said doctors ranked last in terms of anabolic steroid knowledge with steroid coaches and gurus, bodybuilding websites, and other steroid users faring better. So what are your thoughts on that one? That's real interesting. That's, that's real, real interesting. Uh, doctors have to uh, study everything, the whole body. And very few of them, very, very few of them actually specialize in the endocrine system and of those that specialize in the endocrine system, the ones that actually understand all the steroids, even the stuff that's illegal, even the stuff that they most likely wouldn't really be taught a whole lot about because it's not even available for a prescription. Uh, very few of them understand it. So I, I can't see how, I can't see how doctors might've lost on that one and gurus, um, which are more accessible. Because remember this too, brother, how much can you really trust a guy that you never get to see more than just a couple of minutes? That's a shame, but the way the medical system is today, <clears throat> a doctor can only afford to give you just a few minutes of his time. And he's got to go. But a steroid guru, he'll make you videos. He'll talk to, he'll talk to you on the phone. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll be there for you. So I can really see how people trust a guy like that more than a guy that comes in Tells you just stupid for trying to take these drugs, uh, write something up, pad, maybe gives you a prescription, and then he, he he's out of the room. He's fucking out of the room. You can't talk to him. You can't reach him. You can't. I mean, very few doctors give you aftercare. Uh, you know, via phone is very very few. Very few will call you to follow up on you. Very very few. Majority, you got to schedule an appointment and come on in. And the lack of access to someone like that who's supposed to. So so that's what ends up happening, guys. You get a 
you get an abscess, you have an issue, you have a problem, you have a question, and you could just never reach the doctor. You got an abscess, if you have an abscess, you can't really call him to describe it to him and see if you need to come in. Chances are you might not have to schedule a Zoom meeting to show him the abscess on the on the Zoom, or you might have to come in. Where a, a guru, right? You could just text them, write them on Facebook, write them on IG, ask ask them in, in the YouTube comments. Hey man, is this an app? Do I have an abscess? Shoot. Steve and I have done a couple episodes on injections and, and we've mentioned abscesses. You can have that for free. So I can really see how people gravitate towards more other users that have that information for them. That being said, guys, uh, doctors are, and doctors are really, really good to use. Always doctors are going to be overly cautious. You know, when, while some steroid gurus might tell you, Hey, you know, you're, you're, Red blood cell count, the hematocrit being too high, not that big of an issue. Hasn't been, has never been linked to anything serious. Or I've heard gurus out there saying, hey, there's no real relation between high cholesterol and, and heart disease. The, the link is not clear. I've heard gurus claim this kind of things out there. I won't drop any names, right? But uh, I've seen them do it in their videos. So when a guru might tell you, hey, you're right to write this shit out. Uh, a doctor might say, what, what the fuck is going on? Let's, whatever it is that you're doing to raise these levels, let's stop. Your levels need to be within a normal range. And I think doctors are always going to, are, if they're going to be wrong, they're going to be wrong on the side of caution, I would hope. At least when it comes to to the, to the endocrine system and, and your use of these drugs. So doctors have a really good, important place because the gurus might tell you to go too far. A doctor wouldn't, you know, the, the, the gurus will tell you, hey, you could do all this. A doctor will really keep you close to, will help you keep your feet closer to the ground so you don't fly out there into Walla Lala land thinking it's okay to do a couple grams of testosterone for extended periods of time and it's all gravy. No, a doctor, will, while you're doing that, will start to pull bloods and be like, what the, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you want to know, like, wait, 2000, why would Look at these levels. Look, look at your cholesterol. Look at your liver enzymes. What, what are you doing? You know, look at your red blood cell count. What, what is going on? Right? So um, doctors are definitely necessary, in my opinion, so that we don't we don't go off into some weird narrative-filled walla land where we just experiment with our endocrine system like it ain't shit. We really need the blood test and, and the follow-up to make sure that I think if you're a steroid user, an ongoing long-term steroid user, and you and you think you're you're really that skilled, you're you're good at self-medicating to get the results you want from these synthetic drugs. If you're that fucking man, then you should be able to walk into your docs, uh, give him some pretty decent-looking blood results, and make sure he doesn't ever get too worried. Maybe if if your blood uh, uh results are out of whack, you know you're mid-cycle, mid-cycle. And you're like, hey, doc, I know I'm mid-cycle. Give me, give me two months. Give me a few more weeks. I'll be back. You know, if you could work it with your doctor like that, where, you, where you're impressing them the fuck of how you're able to, to be huge, do this stuff, and still maybe have better results than some older guy who's not, who's not on anything. So guy maybe your age who just eats a bunch of fucking trash food. He's your age. He eats trash. And his blood results look, look terrible. While you are lean, mean, 
steroid pumping machine, and you're able to keep your bloods and keep all your stuff in order. How do you do that? Well, you're not going to take steroids, which are going to mess up different things in your system, and then just think or, or meditate your way into good blood results. You got to take that Entugard. And you got to take Entugard. That's why it has 44 ingredients. You got to, that Tuka, Milk Thistle, Knack, everything that's in Guard, Arnua Bark, Coenzyme Q10, everything, 44 ingredients. You need all of that. Because the reason your blood results look like shit is because certain, certain chemistry gets tossed off balance. And already throughout the years, we figured out certain ingredients help your chemistry get back into balance. So if you're going to be responsible to use some synthetic shit in yourself, at least be responsible enough to keep up with a, with a doc and, and blood work and, and monitor your blood work and also take the ancillary natural ingredients to make sure your blood work stays on point. You know, my guys, you guys that shut from me, guys that buy my Entugard and my, my Entugenerate, uh, you guys are the ones that go into your doctor's office like, bam, here are my blood results. And I've been pumping the source. What? Bam, you know, uh, sperm motility up through the roof. I just finished my cycle four weeks ago. You know, my sperm count is ridiculous. Like my guys that shop for me go into their doctors and impress them. Um, not sure. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure, actually, I should say, I'm pretty sure the guys that, that are not taking care of themselves are not using herbal supplements, are not using the natural stuff, are probably seeing, not probably, I know they're seeing some terrible blood results and they're feeling some some pretty nasty side effects because that's what this stuff does man it, it, it causes it you know yeah that that's it and in fact the final thing in the survey is 55 percent of people who did talk to their doctor about their steroid use were stigmatized by the doctor so that that's how it goes i mean that's not not surprising i'm surprised it's, it's as low as 55 percent you know so with all those side effects that we talked about that people are experiencing, of course, the doctors are going to have a negative opinion about using steroids. It's just, that's just how it goes. But really interesting survey. Come on the forums. Give us your thoughts on what you thought about it and some of the things. I really thought it was an interesting survey. It did skew uh, young, I think, um, just based on the people that were surveyed. I think if you surveyed people randomly in the gym who are in their 50s and 60s, you'd get radically different uh, results in terms of popular steroids. So it just, it just depends on, on who you serve, but it was a really cool survey. I really, really enjoyed it. That's why we did a podcast on it. So this is episode 488. Join us next week. We'll have another one coming. Talk to you later. Awesome episode. Well, have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys.